This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined this week by United, um, former United player Phil Marsh to talk over um, an eventful, emotional week at Manchester United. If you're watching live on YouTube, if you could subscribe to the channel, like the video, if you can comment and join in the conversation, even if you're watching on the replay, because we comment on the replay comments. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe and leave a positive review on the platform that you're listening on, we would really appreciate it. Um, Phil, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, all good, Wayne. Um, just finished uh, the school term for me, so good to have a little bit of a week off now and sort of have a bit of relax. It's, a, it's always a long term, the first one, so glad to get that out of the way and um, have a little bit of a, a break. But uh, yeah, everything's all good, mate, as I say. Looking forward to the uh, derby game this weekend. Um, although I'm not feeling massively confident after you know the recent performances, but uh, you know we, we've seen uh, crazy things happen in in them games in previous years. So I'm I'm always quietly confident that we can get a result. Yeah, um, we'll get to that in due course. Um, obviously, we're going to start off by paying tribute again as we did on monday but um such a seismic figure that we've got to continue the conversation about sir bobby charlton and lead with that um so many tributes paid this week um one of those what's brought the whole city together you know manchester city legends pep guardiola saying something really classy earlier where he was talking you know um mike summerby coming down to old trafford and paying his respects um and you know obviously united legends um throughout the world really paying their respects to to Bobby, um, Sir Bobby. His contribution, Phil, you know, I think it's one of those figures that you knew has gargantuan contribution to United. And you always, I mean, everyone's always lived with that. We as fans, you as players, live with that throughout your entire life, really. And it's only since he's passed and it's like... um, you can only liken it to, you know, like the Queen dying or something like that. As far as Manchester United are concerned, it's it's up there in comparison because it's been a week long um, mourning, really, um, 
I mean, the mourning will continue, but um, it's certainly been a week long up until now. And, you know, I've been at Old Trafford throughout the week, um, at various days and seeing the different stages and, you know, like the flowers in front of the statue continue to grow, the pictures continue to pile, the tributes, you know, from all clubs are there. Um, you go down to um, the the West Stand, Stratford End, where the condolence books are, the four condolence books for the general public, and obviously there's other books as well, um, and the queues that have been there for, for people to, to sign and leave a tribute. We went down yesterday with my nephew to, to pay a few words, and, it, I mean, it's, it's no less sad, really. There's still people genuinely bereft, genuinely sad, and... I was uh, with someone yesterday and they were a City fan actually and we were talking about it and she said that it felt like um, everyone's granddad had died and it kind of feels, it was a really good summary really of that because I mean it's brought everyone together everyone, and then the size of his achievements, you now think about them in, in perspective, you know, what he lived through, what he came through, what he achieved and for a long time, he was a record appearance holder. For a long time, he was a record goal scorer for United. For a long time, he was the most successful player in the club's history. Uh, it was only the 90s when we had that dominating period of success when we started to add those league titles and um, that Bobby's record was um, overtaken in, in, in terms of medals. But in terms of contribution, a player who survived through Munich 10 years later, scored two goals in the European Cup final. Um and really, is if a player is the story of Manchester United, is Bobby Charlton, and it's just it's no less sad than it was a week ago. It's tragic, really. I mean, he's been ill for a long time, but you know, it's one of those where people talk about someone's illness, and particularly that kind of illness, is it a blessing that they're gone, that they don't have to suffer? But really, we're still mourning in the same way, really, and. I mean, how have you dealt with it, Phil? Because, I mean, it's, it's an emotional one. How, how have you dealt with it since you heard? Because, obviously, it's sad to hear, but you were someone who, who's been around him, maybe not had loads of personal interactions with him, but you've been there. You, you've sort of lived in that, I guess, a shadow, really, this idea that you've got to live up to something, that standard, the story that he set, impossible to match, but they're the footsteps that you're following, really. How, how, have, you, how have you dealt with it last week? Yeah, I mean, I heard the news last uh, Saturday when it broke. Uh, I, I just finished our game, actually, that, that I'd been involved with. And, um, you know, it was a massive shock, really, um, first and foremost. Um, he, he obviously epitomised everything that, that um, Manchester United stands for, uh, from my point of view. And, you know, as you just touched on there, what he went through with the, the sort of Munich disaster and, you know, to come through that uh, and and sort of you know leave a legacy behind um, with with everything that you'd want really as a as a player as a person um, you know the way he was with everybody who he he met as I said to you you know before we started the pod I, d- I didn't really have many um, sort of interactions with Bobby um, on a personal level but I did meet him a couple of times in and around the club and you know. To, to sort of be in his presence and just to speak to him. He was always really encouraging to all the younger players, um, always sport really well. And, you know, he was somebody who was massively respected um, 
by all, really, and, and not just at Manchester United. You know, it's a massive loss for football, um, and you've seen that with the the amount of tributes that people are paying, not just from you know people in, and clubs in England, you know, worldwide. Bobby uh, Bobby Charlton, sorry, was um, a, a huge name and, and somebody who everybody um, you know knew and, and sort of admired his, his story really and, and what he went through and, and how he you know was portrayed by everybody because of the, the man he was. I think it's you know for Manchester United it's a huge loss. I think he was you know somebody who was a massive figure still, um, you know attended all the games. Was, was somebody who. Uh, I'm sure still, um, you know, give give uh, the club a lot from the point of view of speaking to young players and ex- expectations, and you know, still have that sort of real drive and desire to to sort of take the club forward um, in a way that you know at the moment we're sort of going through a bit of a tough period, and you know, it's 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 one of them kind of reality checks now for the club to, to sort of look and, and sort of hopefully see that, you know, somebody who's been such an iconic figure at the club, um, you know, has, has now gone. We we need to sort of start doing more as a club to, to sort of, you know, honour him and, and make him proud of, of, you know, what the club is all about. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, obviously there's all the tributes coming in, which is rightly so, but I think the club now needs to, you know, do him a good favour and try and start getting things right on and off the pitch to, to sort of make things um, right. And, and as we say, the, the fans have been, you know, calling uh, for, for things to be improved on and off the pitch for a long time. Um, and sort of this just makes it hit home a little bit more for me with, you know, when you look back at some of the previous teams that we've had and some of the sort of history and the, the sort of players that we've had to where we are in this present day, it sort of, you know, makes you sort of question sometimes, you know, what football's really about. It's um, especially United. You know, it's it's a family club, and people think that that can't be the case because it's such a big club. And you know, they especially if you're not locally connected to it. And I don't mean that as a judgment on people who aren't. Um, who aren't local because you can have a connection anywhere you are in the world but I think if you're not that close you don't always see the fact that it is it can be a family club and it is a family club and the way that people know each other that you know that's something that was it was Sir Matt it was Sir Alex you know these were the men who made it a point of knowing every employee's name to make sure that they knew everyone to like know the business and everything like that um so when you've seen the tributes this week, even from Phil Lake said something, you know, that you've not had that many interactions with him, but it's a loss that you feel because of the the role that he did play in your life. Um, and certainly mine as a, as a supporter, you know, I've never met him, but um, it's just, it's just, you know, it's so sad. Um, but being privileged this week to sort of have people acknowledge my um tributes to him really you know that they're only tributes when you when you're saying something uh, but I, I feel really privileged to have played a tiny little part in that you know like i was asked to talk on top sport um i posted a few things on twitter and people seem to resonate with the you know the information because sometimes some of the information isn't always available you know they'll look at wikipedia but sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper and um the, the club have put out a podcast today 
Uh, so go and listen to it after this one of course don't listen to it right now listen to me and phil um but for the first couple of minutes there's a um, i was very very um honored to um write the scripts for the opening of that podcast um so you know i've listened to it um i've listened to it all obviously um hopefully i did it justice um but yeah it was a privilege to to be involved in in paying a tribute to um, which is the, the greatest story ever told in football. It's, um, uh, it's going to be an emotional one on, on Sunday. And it wasn't an emotional one on Tuesday. And it was for the players against Sheffield United as well. So, I mean, th- there was some... When I did the talk sport thing on Saturday, there was a guy on before me and he was so critical of the team's performance. And he was saying they should have gone out there and, and played for Sir Bobby. And I thought, well, if, if, these are the, if there's a group of players who don't really connect with Bobby... It might be this group, and not because of anything uh, malicious or anything like they're, they're unfamiliar with him or anything. It's just because, like, over that past couple of years where he's not been attending frequently and he's been poorly, that he's not been present. So a lot of these players haven't been there, and he won't affect them in the same way. Um, or, and even the ones who did know him, like, you know, Marcus and, and players like that, that it was so close to kickoff that there's no... I'm not saying it's an excuse for a poor performance. I'm not saying it's a reason for a good performance. It's like, what do you do? What? How do you feel in that moment? You're not going to judge someone. You're not going to tell them to go out and be a certain way because this is fairly unprecedented. The only thing I can think of that's fairly close um, is in recent times would be Sir Matt Busby dying in 94 and the players had a couple of days to sort of come to terms with that. And that was a, a team who were in a on beaten run. They were very successful. They had a lot of strong characters. And they put out a performance where they only won narrowly 1-0 against Everton. And the atmosphere was unbelievable in that game. Um, and the atmosphere was supercharged again against Copenhagen on Tuesday night. Phil, um, we'll talk about that one. And 1-0, it wasn't a convincing performance. But again, you know, United haven't been in convincing form. There are reasons that are far beyond not wanting to play well for Bobby Charlton, which I think is not fair on the players at all. There's no balance in that side for a start. Regalon was back, so that for once they did look like a bit of balance. But it was very flat. Again, uh, Copenhagen came to Old Trafford. Not the first and probably not going to be the last team. I, I, I wish they were the last team this season to say that. I, I can say I outplayed United Old Trafford. Unfortunately, I don't think so. I think there's going to be one on Sunday that we're going to see. Um, but, you know, United did well to sort of hold through that. They scored a goal in the second half. I don't know, we've got to be realistic. They're not um, going to be Champions League contenders this season. It's a struggle to get out of that group and where we are is where we are. And you've seen that in the level of the performances. Where we are, I'm talking about with the injury crisis that we've got. This is what you're seeing with the team, unfortunately, and players in poor form like Marcus and, and a couple of others as well. Um, but yeah, 1-0. Maguire, who's been much maligned, scores the winner. Onana, who's been much maligned, saves a penalty. McTominay, who's been much maligned, gives the penalty away. Um, could have been a deadly triumvirate of errors, really, of much maligned players who are not really helping United out. Um, but in the end, Anana saves the penalty and United win the game. Um, what did you make of what you saw on Tuesday night? Because it was a, it's quite a difficult one to sort of get your head around, really. Yeah, it was. I think, um, personally for me, um, I was very underwhelmed with the, the first 45 minutes. Um, just thought we looked really flat. 
didn't really sort of create any real clear-cut chances. I thought they looked the more dangerous team um, on the counter-attack and, you know, other, only for a, a, a bit of luck and, you know, a couple of good saves by the goalkeeper, we, we sort of were still in the game. Um, I think second half, especially when he made a couple of changes, we, we looked a lot more uh, assertive and started to create a little bit more. Um, I thought Ericsson, when he came on, gave us that little bit of control in the midfield and, and obviously he was a had a, a great hand in the, the Maguire goal with a good cross. Um, but yeah, I think it, it was just, a, you know, you're happy to win. I think that was a massive game for us. We needed to win that game in order to stay in the, the um, you know, the race to get out of the group. I think second, I did I did say this a few, few weeks ago, saying I think it would be between ourselves and Galatasaray for second place. I think, you know, that game, if we'd have lost that or if we'd have drew that the other night, that would have been, Curtain, so we, we was you know happy to take the three points. Uh, however, I think the performances and, and sort of individuals' um, performances need to be a lot better. Um, you know, you can dissect it as much as you want and look at injuries and you know, players not having match fitness and out of form, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're sort of at a stage in the season now where you know we should be starting to hit a little bit of you know consistency and a little bit of form and, and players should be getting the um you know match fitness up to a level where they're putting in performances regularly uh, and consistently uh, and we're not we're not quite seeing that so I think that is why we're, we're sort of we are where we are at the moment and for me it feels as though we're sort of just getting away with it a little bit you know the Sheffield United game for me was another example of that where for me I watched that game I thought Sheffield United were the, the best team um terms of the way they played they created more chances they looked more lively they looked fitter um and you know we was a, a little bit flat again and didn't really seem to be at the races and, and it was sort of a bit of individual brilliance from from Dallow really to sort of you know seal that game for us but yeah it's it's just a little bit frustrating I think you know we can we can look at players you know you mentioned Rashford there he's definitely out of form I think his confidence is, is you know rock bottom at the moment again you can see it when he goes through on goal he just doesn't look like he's um, you know got that glint in his eye that he had last season where every time he went through last year he was just you know pulling the trigger and you know scoring at free will whereas now I think he's overthinking things I think he's snatching at things, his touch is letting him down, he's, he's crossing when he should be shooting and shooting when he should be crossing. And for me, um, until them players, you know, your Marks Rashfords and, and your your Hoylands start hitting the ground running more often and putting in better performances, I think we are really going to struggle because other than McTominay, the, the goals haven't been, you know, coming from any regular source. Um, and in football, if you don't score goals, then you know inevitably you're going to be you're going to be struggling yeah it's, it's been a tough watch as well um thing is if we're going to try and be optimistic you do sometimes need sparks of inspiration don't you like and, and sometimes it can be moments and when you are struggling you've got to invest in hope in those moments and and the moment that we've got is an honors penalty save at the end yeah. Um, he is a player who has been struggling who has been under a lot of criticism um, by the press and some of the supporters as well people wondering you know have we have we downgraded from the hair and 
I've been among those critics. This podcast, we've all voiced our concern about it. Um, but you obviously, we all want him to to come good and, and be the goalkeeper that he, he looked like he could be at Ajax and at Inter Milan. And we've all sort of said, you know, this is the highest profile single position in the world, goalkeeper at Manchester United. Um, and he, he stepped up to the plate on Tuesday night when we needed him. Fantastic save. And United um, have a lifeline in the Champions League. And he has an opportunity to use this. And it's a difficult one because you can't, you know, like if he's an outfield player, you would you would say use a moment like this to sort of galvanise and go on. But outfield players don't make penalty saves and goalkeepers are still in the position where they're sometimes only as good as the defence in front of them. So it is difficult for him. Um, but hopefully, if there is any um, lack of confidence in there, it might have been shaken off. Do you are you sh- with me on this one? You sharing that hope that this is a, a more a chain, turning point for him? Yeah, you know it was a massive moment for him. I think he, you know in that uh, second half he made some really good saves, especially I think there was one early in the second half where he's he's pulled a cracking save off uh, to his yeah. uh, right hand side, which was which was going into the top corner. Um, so that was a fantastic save, and as you say, to win the game so late on, and for him to save that penalty with the last kick of the game after the mistakes that he's been making and sort of, you know, all the criticism that he's been under, you know, we're hoping that that now will be, you know, the little spark that he may need. Um, and, you know, you do need that sometimes. Uh, players, you know, can go through dips in form and as a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, you know, nine times out of ten, it's going to lead to a goal. So, you know, for him, I think that was a massive moment. Um, so we're hoping all of us, you know, as, as a club, that he can kick on from this now. You know, he can take a little bit of um, positive energy and, and try and hopefully just cut out the mistakes because I, I think generally he's been okay. You know, the, the um, distribution is is miles better. Um, you know, De Gea was never one that was great with his feet. I think he is quite comfortable with his passing and his, his, his distribution is, you know, generally. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Really quite good. Uh, I just think that some of the goals that he's let in have been really weak and, you know, some of the mistakes he's made have been really poor and, and obviously not what we was expecting. So, for me, this is a, a fresh start for him, hopefully now, you know, fans get behind him. He's, he's made a great save and, you know, got us three points in the Champions League. So, this hopefully will be the springboard for him to, to kick on and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the, the performances and, as you say, the back four in front of him will be, 
um, you know, back to its its best as soon as possible to to help him with that. Because I do agree with you on that. I think you know sometimes as a goalkeeper you can be uh, scrutinised and maybe unfairly sort of criticised due to you know stuff that wouldn't necessarily happen if you had you know a bit more quality in the back four or a little bit more experience or leadership. Because I think with the amount of players that we've had coming in and out and the disjointedness of the the back four because of injuries and suspensions and what have you. Um, we haven't had that continuity in the back four. And, and, you know, we say this all the time about building relationships and playing as a unit and, and making sure that, you know, every player that's in that back four knows the jobs and you know what your, your partner's doing and you know when he's there, you need to be in this position. And it doesn't happen when players are chopping and changing uh, as much as we have been doing. So, yeah, that that could have a massive impact on it when when we do get sort of certain players back into the squad as well. Yeah. Um, so we're not convincing, but neither are our opponents on on Sunday in Manchester City. They've not had a great start to the season, really. And you know, for a team who won the treble last season, they've not really kicked on. And I think maybe this is, um, I guess, it might be a natural consequence of what happens when you're so far in front of everyone else that um, and there's no I mean ac- across Europe there's no competition for them really they are their own competition and uh, we saw it last season in the Premier League they were so far in front of everyone else and I'm talking like in terms of quality that it took Arsenal mildly threatening them to, to sort of kick into first gear were they ever in first gear did they ever look completely brilliant last season there were there were moments but I don't think I think you looked at Pep Guardiola and I think if you're looking at a Pep Guardiola ideal team, you're not looking at one with Erling Haaland in it because he's not the kind of player who normally plays in a, in a Guardiola side. So I think what he's done is he's compromised a little. And so you're not seeing the normal fluency. What you are seeing is a team that's got too much quality. So they're far, far in front of everyone else. And when what happens when the, you know, the playing standard is that is that weak across the board when your squad is so stacked full of talent and the rest of the competition isn't, then it's difficult for that squad of players to motivate themselves. Or you need an extra special manager. And, you know, United had that for a long time with Sir Alex Ferguson, and that's why they were able to maintain a high high level. Um, In the, you know, I'm thinking after they won the treble and then there were the two seasons after where against a very good Arsenal side, we won it by a large margin margin and that's because of Alex Ferguson and, and Roy Keane on the pitch you know so driving their standards and you can tell the difference I mean first of all the competition was better in those days and, and second of all there's just nothing there the urgency isn't there because they know that they can win it at canter and you've seen that in their form this season I mean they were unconvincing against Forrest at home in winning they've lost to Wolves they've lost to Arsenal and they didn't look good in either of those games. Rodri's been a big miss when he's been suspended. They struggled to victory against Brighton. Um, and yet you look at Arlen still scoring goals, but he doesn't look anywhere near as... I mean, look, he'll probably still score 40-odd this season, but he doesn't look anywhere near as frightening as he did last season. He'll probably score a couple, might even get an hat trick against us, Old Trafford on Sunday, but he doesn't look as menacing or as... You know, like when we've watched Ronaldo and we've watched Messi for years and years one up each other and like they so the next week well one scored an hat trick and then the next week one would score 
four amazing goals, you know, so, like someone would score an hat-trick in the next week, someone would score the goal of the millennium or something like that. Those two players push themselves to reach um, higher, great, um, greater heights. And then you see Jude Bellingham and you see what an incredible impact he's having at Real Madrid. And you look at um, City and it's like they're struggling, they're struggling to sort of... And this is the best team by a distance, best squad, I should say, by a distance in Europe. They should... Really, they're on odds on to win a treble again. They should be because European football and the Premier League is still so weak and stacked in their favour. And it's them being their own worst enemy that's our best chance of getting a result on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is weird. I think, obviously, as you said, I think you made some really good points there with uh, coming off the back of winning the treble. I think, naturally... You know that's the the sort of pinnacle for for any team, and and you know once you've won that naturally, I think you know you you sort of will see a little bit of a lull um, just because of the achievements that you've made in the previous season. I think for me, just looking at City this year, I think they've they've sort of lost a few massive players. If you look at last season, the, the, the sort of two or three big players, you know Gundogan, obviously he moved on, um, he's a massive loss. Um, Obviously, Grealish hasn't been playing a lot this season due to injury. I think he, you know, was a big player last year and had a lot to do with, you know, the amount of goals that Haaland was getting with some of the the creativity in that final third, and the big one, obviously, De Bruyne not being there, and you know, he's somebody who's, you know, in terms of creation for Haaland, you know, he would probably get you know fifteen twenty assists um, a season. So. Although they have still been getting results, uh, and as you say, I don't think they've been put under massive amount of pressure by other clubs. Um, you know, Arsenal, there are thereabouts. Liverpool just sort of sneaking under the radar a little bit, and, and Tottenham starting as well as they have. Um, but obviously, knowing Tottenham of old and, and what they're about, I think City are quietly just going along and, and thinking, you know, we don't really need to sort of kick on just yet because we're sort of still in and around it um but yeah i think you know for us we were at a time now where i think it's not a bad time to play him you know as you said rodri's been suspended for a few weeks so he's been a massive miss um and they have been a little bit shaky i think you know against brighton they weren't as convincing as i was expecting um you know certain players aren't hitting the heights of you know what people would have expected uh, again this year so for us, we've just got to go out, go about it and, and try and put in a good performance and, and just see where that takes us. The only issue I have got with obviously ourselves at the moment is that there's the, the lack of goals really and sort of the lack of um, you know creativity and sort of penetration in the final third. Um, I think for me, uh, I heard at this point on uh, TalkSport the other day about, uh, you know, I think it was Akbar Mahal was on with, with somebody and they were saying about we need someone like an Antonio Valencia who could, you know, be putting balls in for, for uh, Hoyland, which I, I tend to agree with. I think, you know, Hoyland's the type of striker that's a bit more of a old school number nine, if you like, where, you know, he wants balls coming into the box and he will attack things. You know, he's not the biggest in the world, but I think he's somebody who, you know, if you do put crosses in, he will try and get on the end of it and, you know, he seems to have a lot of pace and he's, he's sort of, you know, not being utilised for me in, in the best way at the moment with sort of the way that we're setting up and the way that we're sort of playing and, and sort of looking to score goals in the final third. So that might be something that, you know, comes with time. I know it's still early days with, with Hoyland and, 
and trying to sort of build the relationships with the, the other lads out wide and stuff. But I just think in general now that, you know, we, we don't mix our game up enough. I think we're quite one-dimensional and, and teams can sort of figure us out and we, we don't really seem to have that, you know, identity of how we're, how we're setting up to play. And, and you know, for me, when, when I used to go and watch United, I used to love just, you know, expecting that, you know, when I go and watch that, you know, this ball's going to be getting put into the box, Van is going to be getting on the end of him, you know, Beckham's going to get half a yard and just whip a ball in from anywhere, you know, and, and Giggs is going to be beating his man and standing balls up to the back post. But, you know, I, I do understand the game has changed and, and there's different sort of ways now that, that managers like to play. But again, I just think that sometimes, you know, what's wrong with getting down the line and whipping a ball in and getting your centre forward to try and get to the end of it? Because that ball and that way of playing will always ask questions of any defence, any goalkeeper. And, you know, it, it's been proven over the years that, that that kind of, you know, play is successful. Yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. I'm looking at um, the... You know, you're saying United are fairly predictable, and I, I was thinking, how do they change it up? And maybe the idea is Rashford on the right and got Nacho on the left. Yeah, it does leave you light in terms of what you can change from the bench, but I don't think you know that really matters too much in a game like this. You know, United need to start well. They need to, you know, we we've seen the game can get away from United. And they only, I mean, giving City a goal lead um, and then trying to make a change is asking for trouble really because I don't think United can afford to take chances like that um, but that's the catch with Ten Hag at the moment Does he is he brave enough to gamble um, I don't think that many people are expecting a positive United result um, will we give him the benefit of the doubt if, if he does gamble it's, it's a tricky one for him what do, you, what do you think Wayne just obviously interested in what your thoughts are in terms of with the manager, like with the, the way you obviously go every week and, and watch the team, do you, do you you know when you go and you turn up and you're watching the games, do you do you feel as though you know you have that sort of perception of how the manager wants to set up and and what kind of style of play? Because for me, when I watch, obviously I don't go and watch um, as much as you do, um, but when I watch the team, I just see that from one week to the next, we're not sort of setting up any real patterns and everything seems a little bit off the cuff and there's no real sort of, you know, continuity in our play. Um, and and that that sort of is worrying to me a little bit because, you know, if we're going to be a team that tries to play out from the back and tries to, you know, dominate possession, then, you know, against these teams that we've played so far, your Sheffield Uniteds and your Knox Forests and stuff like that, you know, we're not even doing that against the, the lesser teams. So... For, for me, I'm, I'm sort of scratching my head. And obviously, football is not just about keeping possession. You know, it's about who scores the most goals and stuff. So it's not all about that. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts in terms of, like, you know, what you feel in terms of, do you think the manager's setting the team up in a certain way and the players just aren't delivering? Or do you just think he's trying to sort of be quite, you know, unpredictable and pragmatic, maybe? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, that. Um, I would say, um, because I had a little bit of this conversation on, on Monday's pod, actually, it's about it's pretty much a year exactly to the day when we played Spurs in that game at home and Ronaldo um, went off early, and, but we played magnificently in that game. and We had a sticky run of form and we had a clear identity, a clear style of play, and we were magnificent throughout. 
Um, yeah, you're quite right. I don't think we've got that this season. Um, but I do think then I look at the defense, I particularly look at the axis between Martinez and Casemiro, and Casemiro's not been in uh, good form. And when he's, you know, he's not in the side, I, I still think he's missing when he's not there because of what the presence that he brings. But obviously, because he's not been in great form, you ask the question why. And I think it's a player like Casemiro. Um, you don't excuse a player for poor form all the time, but you could say the players around him. Um, it's definitely a big reason because they're obviously they were brought in for a reason or they're, they're in the side for a reason. They they all play particular roles. They play aggressive, um, pushing football up the pitch. And United are missing those defenders all across the back line. And when they're doing it, apart from Dallow, just push up. But apart from that, Lindelof does try. But there are others are quite happy to sit and even retreat. And that is really contrary to what Ten Hag's trying to do. Now, the, the point is, like these are the players who've been there before, Tenog is could he have coached them to be better by now? Should we be expecting better after a year and a bit? And we probably are, to be fair. But I, I do think that maybe that says more about the players because I'm still inclined to think, well, we've seen we've seen that improvement. We've seen an identity. We know that the manager can do it and we know that some of the players can do it. So we know it's there. But we also, when we're pointing the fingers or when we're looking and thinking, oh, we're not sure about this, it's usually the same kind of players that we were worried about before Tenog was in, in the post. So, I mean, you can only... That can only last for so long because football is such a short-term game that results will eventually catch up with you and the excuses run out even with an injury crisis like United's. And you know, I'm quite you're quite right. I I look at United. I think I'm not seeing what I saw last season. I think a I can excuse some of that because of the injury crisis. Um, and I'm you know I've been around the block long enough to understand that on a week by week basis. You know, even if I get frustrated or upset with a result, I can still say, all right, well, the first reason is the injury crisis. And then you, you look at the thing, well, the injury crisis has been going on for six, seven weeks. Could we have found better solutions in that time? Or are we just banging our head against a brick wall, which sometimes it seems that we are doing, and that's when the criticism comes on the manager, which we've discussed on here. Um, you know, and he's not... Um, immune to it you know we'll criticize the manager we criticize all all the previous managers even Ole, who we all loved we've, we've talked about that and you know Ten Hag is in that position at the moment should he be finding better answers should we be expecting better performances like you said yeah it's not really it's not really against manchester city you know we will expect that we're going to lose and probably play play poorly but sheffield united copenhagen could we expect the horror show that we saw against galatasaray not to happen yeah, we should be expecting better with the players that we've got. And yeah. I think that is, it is a conundrum. Um, he should be expecting the manager to do better. And I think that's where he's facing the questions at the moment. Um, I think it's as well, just because a lot of fans will obviously be looking at it and thinking, you know, he's had a year now and, and there should be, you know, a, a progression in terms of, you know, with the way that we're playing, regardless of, of injuries and uh, suspensions and all this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he's he's had the money to bring in players, you know, he's brought in um a lot of these players now who he wanted, you know, we've spent a lot of money. The squad depth is the is the squad it's is the squad depth good enough? Okay, maybe not. Um, which is a massive, you know, part of you know why there's probably probably not a such a, a, a sort of incline in the progression. But again, I'm just more critical of 
the the way that we're actually trying to play on the pitch. I can excuse bad performances and I can excuse sort of a little dip in performance in terms of, you know, if there's two or three injured and it's a it's a disjointed back four or whatever. But I just think now, because some of these players have had so many opportunities and, you know, they have been playing now, I'm still not sort of seeing a level of performance that I would expect from a Manchester United side um, under this manager who wants to play in a certain way. I, I would be expecting us to to be performing a lot better on a more consistent basis, especially against, as you mentioned, the, the teams that we've played this season. Because I don't think we've played really, um, you know, other than Bayern Munich and, and maybe a couple of others, any real um, big tests, apart from you could maybe say Tottenham as well because of the way they've started the season. I think all the rest of the games we would be looking on paper at saying, you know, we should be dominating this game, you know, not maybe for 90 minutes, but we should be, we should be the, you know, more dominant side. We should have a bit more possession. We should be creating a lot more chances. And I just don't think that that's sort of been, you know, quite the, the sort of story of a lot of these games that we've sort of nicked, you know, the Burnley game comes to mind, you know, Sheffield United, Copenhagen, and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more I could probably name, you know, Wolves, not Forest. So, you know, there's games where we sort of, you know, could identify as being on paper, we should be, you know, the the, the best team for 90 minutes, really, you know, but, you know, every team that we've we've sort of played this season, we've sort of struggled with it in, in large periods for me. Yeah. Um, Arsenal's the other one as well. Ah, those are the games as well, though. Those games, it's funny because you, you mention them. Um, and you know you're quite right. In all of those wins, we've probably been outplayed, and in all of the defeats, there's probably moments like Spurs, the penalty, Arsenal, the controversy at the end, and Bayern, the stupidity with the errors um, that you think, oh God, we, you know, yeah. and we're yeah. only like this is, I haven't checked the table because it's too depressing. But someone said we're only six points from the top. Well, how how is that the case? But I mean, that just tells you. First of all, it tells you the state of the league. And second of all, it tells you, like, you know, the narrowness of the margins. Um, it's You know, it does it bodes for a very interesting interesting game on, on um, Sunday. Like you said, I mean, I'm not very good and I don't like doing predictions on this. I'm not going to put you on the spot with predictions. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a forecast. It's different to a prediction if you're listening and watching this. My forecast is if you look at the season so far, and you look at what City have done, and you look at what United have done. And I say this, and it, um, my expectation is that United are going to get battered off City on, on Sunday. But if you look at the forecast of the way that they're playing, you know, United will probably, you know, if you looked at the pattern of the season so far, United will be in the game for much more than anyone expects, and they'll let themselves down with an error, and there'll be a refereeing decision that goes against them, and City will they'll get an unconvincing win. That's the pattern of the season so far. So that's what you should should see on Sunday, even though I expect that City will run away with it. And um, because, you know, trends have to change sometime. And I hope that when Phil and I are here next week, joined by Lee, hopefully, um, who couldn't make it tonight for uh, unforeseen circumstances. But I hope that when we are here together next week and we're talking about this game, we're talking about a trend changing the other way around and you know like phil was saying you know you need to see a good united result a performance and maybe you know that surprise from tanaka that we haven't seen yet and uh, maybe we'll see that on sunday um thanks to phil 
um as always for his time if you've been watching live on youtube if you can like the video if you can subscribe if you don't already thanks to everyone by the way we've passed five thousand subscribers this week um we're only a small channel but we you know we put in this time every week and bring the i think it's the best analysis like phil being quality throughout the pod so if you like that we're always here every week so um subscribe and like and if you listen on the audio podcast as well if you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you listen on we really appreciate it um yeah thanks for listening thanks for watching guys and we will be back next week away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.